Our gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. On their return, the apostles told Jesus all they had done. He took them with him and withdrew privately to a city called Bethsaida. When the crowds found out about it, they followed him, and he welcomed them, and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who needed to be cured. The day was drawing to a close, and the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away, so that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside to lodge and get provisions, for we are here in a deserted place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. They did so and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And all ate and were filled. What was left over was gathered up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. I am not sure about you, church, but I can smell fresh bread. Can anyone else smell fresh bread? <laughs> it's a delight to walk into the sanctuary and smell freshly baked bread. Now this morning I ask you the question if you have ever been hungry before. And I can imagine that most of you or all of us will say yes. But when I say hungry, I am not talking about just feeling like you want something to eat and so you go stand before the refrigerator and you open the door and you look in and you try to assess what is there. I am talking about the kind of hungry that takes hold of you because you have not eaten for a long time and the kind of hungry that makes you weak and even lightheaded. I think all of us have experienced hunger at some point in our lives. We know how it feels to be hungry. We know how hunger affects our strength and our ability to think and even our mood. For that, I'm going to raise my hand. <laughs> and we know that if we don't eat by a certain time, it will put our health in jeopardy. Food is essential to our lives. It's the primary thing that we need for survival. We may be able to go for a day or two or even three without food, but by the fourth or the fifth day, our bodies start giving all the signs that something is wrong. And by the sixth day, we know something is wrong. They actually say seven days without food is when your body shuts down altogether. I think all of us here this morning, because we know what it is to be hungry, would really feel bad with ourselves if we do not give some food to someone that we know is hungry. Even if we may not be the ones to cook the meal, when we know that a friend is hungry or, or someone we know, maybe even just an acquaintance is hungry, we would take that person to the store and, and get some food for that person. 
I believe inherent within each of us is the capacity for compassion toward, uh, towards others who are hungry. That's one of the reasons when there is an earthquake or when there's a hurricane or when there is a flood or famine, you will see where so many people give for food. We know what it is to be hungry. We know what it is to really be hungry. And as such, we are more willing to give for food than for anything else. Jesus knows what it is to be hungry. He knew what it is to be hungry. And his disciples also knew what it is to be hungry. And this is why the story of the feeding of the 5,000 is so powerful, yet so nuanced. Jesus had taken his disciples to a quiet and remote place because they had been busy with ministry. They had been teaching the good news of God's love and compassion. They had been telling people that the kingdom of God is near and that they are of worth and they are valued by God, loved by God. They had been healing the sick and casting out demons. And so after a busy time of ministry, Jesus said to his disciples, come, let's go find a quiet place so we can rest. So Jesus took the disciples and they, they went to a remote and quiet place to get some rest. But when the crowds found out where they were, when the crowds found out where Jesus was, they followed him there. One of the things I've come to know over the years, church, is that people will follow you when they know that you have something good to offer them. People will follow you when they know that you make their lives better. People will follow you when you allow them to feel that they are loved. You allow them to know that they are valued. You allow them to know that they are important. They will seek you out. People will want to hang around with you and be with you when you make them realize that they are indeed loved and important. And that's what Jesus did. And so they, they followed him. If you care enough for people and show them interest in, the, show interest in their well-being, they will follow you. That's what Jesus did. And so the people found out where he was and they followed him there. And although Jesus was tired and, and he needed a break, he did not turn them away. Instead, he welcomed them and he began to teach them. He told them about the goodness of God and the mercies of God and the love of God. And he healed those who were sick. Now, later in the day, the disciples came to him. And they said, dismiss the people because they have come from far and they are hungry and they need to go and find some food. They need to go somewhere and, and get some food, find a place where they can get food to eat because they're hungry. And I can imagine the disciples were being very practical. They were being pragmatic. I like people who are pragmatic. They get things done. The disciples were saying, Jesus, the people are hungry. They have been here for a while and, and, and they're tired, they're hungry. Send them away. That was a practical thing to do. But Jesus instead told them to give the people food. Give them some food, Jesus said. And the disciples replied, we only have five loaves and two fish. 
And unless we go out and buy food for them, we will never have enough. We could never feed all the people who are here, Jesus. You see, the disciples were making their decision based on the demand and supply principle. You know what that is, right? How much is the need and how much do you really have? The demand and the supply principle. They were thinking about, you know, what do we really have and, and how many mouths do we have to feed? Would we have enough? And from a quick glance of the crowd, they figure that mathematically this would not happen. This is not going to happen, Jesus. You see, we have five loaves, two fish, and there are over 5,000 people. And that did not even include women and children. Not going to happen. You see, but they were with Jesus. The disciples were with Jesus. It is it, amazing what can happen when we are with Jesus. Isn't it amazing, church, what can happen when, when Jesus is in our midst? When we add Jesus to the equation, even though one and one should have only given you two, when you add Jesus to the equation, one and one can give you even 500. And don't try to work that math out. It's a miracle. But Jesus can make it happen. Jesus can do it. And, and that's what we saw in the text this morning. The disciples only looked at what they had, but Jesus was in the midst and transformed what they had. So Jesus told them, tell the people to sit down and, and, and bring to me what you have. And Jesus took it and he blessed it. And he gave back that exact five loaves and two fish to the, people, to the disciples and said, go feed the people. And they did. Five loaves, two fish. And when they were done, not only had the people eaten all they needed, but they had 12 basketfuls left over. Earlier I said that it was a powerful yet nuanced story. I just told you the powerful. Over 5,000 people were fed with five loaves and two fish. And let me tell you now the nuance. What is strange in this story is that the disciples said, we only have. It is strange because these are the very same disciples who earlier Jesus had sent out with power and authority to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were sick and to cast out demons. If you go back to the text and you read from verse 1 through verse 9 of this chapter, you'll hear where Jesus had sent out the 12 disciples and they went out in the power and the authority of Jesus, healing and delivering those who were sick, telling the good news of the kingdom, and they came back to Jesus and told Jesus the good news of what they had done. The very same disciples who went out and did that wonderful job, looked at Jesus and said, we only have. We only have. These are the same disciples. We only have. How quickly they forgot. And I wonder how quickly we as the church forget how quickly we forget that Jesus is in our midst. How quickly we forget that even though we only have, Jesus is able to transform what we have into more than enough. I wonder how quickly we forget as a church that when we say we only have, 
that Jesus is able to do more than we can ever imagine, ask, or think. We often become like the disciples saying we only have. And we forget that we are children of God and God is able to do far more exceeding than we can ask or think. God is able to do the impossible. Jesus basically asks them in another translation, what do you have? And that question has been asked even centuries before. There was a man who was standing before a burning bush and hear the voice of God. And God was telling him to go down and speak to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And this man was finding every excuse that he could give why he should not go. And he was asked the question, what do you have in your hand? He said, I have a staff. And he was told, throw the staff to the ground. And miraculously, that piece of stick turned into a snake. What do you have? And I ask us this morning as St. Mark, what do we have? What do we have? I remember several years ago as I was watching the news online about the hurricane in, in Florida, Hurricane Ian, I was thinking of hurricanes that I have experienced myself. And I remember when as a child, Hurricane Gilbert passed over Jamaica as a Category 3 storm. And I remember our three-bedroom house held over 33 people that night. And I remember the morning when we woke up, we had bought things for our family in preparation for the hurricane, but we never bought enough for 33 people. But when people in the community heard that we had that many people in our house, they started sending food to our house. And our neighbor who had a shop beside us because the electricity was out, she knew that there was no way she could store her meat, so she started giving her meat to us. And over time, as we started cooking, more people started hearing that there was food at the Stevens house, and they came. And so over time, we were feeding over 100 people a day. What do you have? You see, God is still asking the church today, what do you have? And I truly believe that God is saying, whatever you have with me in the equation, it is more than enough. Last Wednesday, I, I went to Midtown Assistance Center when they've, where they've opened their new office. And one of the ladies there who was giving me a tour, she said to me, I am so glad that we have more space so that we can store the food that we get. And she was telling me how delighted she is that we do our annual food drive because it makes a difference in the lives of their clients. And she said, we really are in the, in the business of helping people where, where housing is concerned. We, we help them so that they don't live on the streets and we, we try to find them apartments to live in and we help them with their rent and utilities. But what we have come to realize that so many people are not only just in need of homes, but they're food insecure. And so when the church or any organization gives us food, we're always thankful. And I was thinking we're in Midtown. I, I was thinking we're in the richest country in the world and we're in one of the biggest cities and, and one of the most influential and affluent cities. And yet there are people who are food insecure. We live in Midtown. And even though it's one of the most expensive places to live in Atlanta, there are still people who are food insecure. What do you have in your hand? 
And I'm thankful for the breakfast club that we do every Saturday morning and the supper club that we do every Tuesday evening. And I'm thankful that people come to us Saturday after Saturday, Tuesday after Tuesday. But I wonder about those who haven't come as yet. I wonder about those who haven't set foot in our church as yet, those who are still outside who are hungry. And one of the things about Jesus is that he did not only care for the physical need, but he also cared for the spiritual need. And I wonder who are the people in our neighborhood who are hungry physically and are also hungry spiritually. And the question I ask us and I want us to answer this morning as a church is, what do we have? And what will we do with what we have? Will we wait for them to come to us? Will we wait for them to come into our building? Or will we go out to meet them where they are? The world is hungry. Hungry for a better way of life. Hungry for meaning for their lives. They're hungry for love and compassion, for peace, for justice and mercy. And we, the church, we are the ones who have the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are one of the vessels that God has chosen to use to bring the word, the good news of God's kingdom to the world. But we cannot stay within the confines of our building. We cannot stay within the confines of our church. The world is hungry, and we, the church, have the remedy for the hunger of the world. But we've got to go. And I know we may not be able to feed the whole world, but we can feed the people in our world. We can feed one person at a time. We can tell one person at a time about the love of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the compassion of God. But we can't stay in our building. We can't stay in our building. I am thankful for what we do, but I want to challenge us to go beyond what we do. Let's not just simply settle and say, but we do the breakfast club and we do the supper club. Let's not just simply settle and say, we, we, we only have this much. The world is hungry and we are called to be the ambassadors of God to a people who are hungry. Today is World Communion Sunday, and Christians from all over the world are gathering to celebrate the Lord's table. There is room at the table for anyone who is hungry, be it physically or spiritually. There is room at the table for anyone who is hungry. If you are here today and, and, and you have tasted of what the world had to give, the promises the world had made, but you are still hungry, there is room at the table. If, if you're here today and you're physically hungry, there is room at the table and there are ways that we can help. There is room at the table, church. But we are going to have to be the one to help others to come to the table. There is room at the table, but we are going to have to be the ones to go out in this midtown neighborhood to allow others to know that there is room at the table. There is room at the table for the hungry. And we who have come to the table time and time again, we have been empowered and authorized to allow others to know there is room for them also. In the name of Christ, our Lord.
Amen. Amen.